Good morning, church. Won't you join us as we worship this morning? Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of the enemy.
morning. How everybody doing this morning? Oh, no, that's right. Good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning, isn't it not? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to go ahead and for those that are visiting with us, we have uh, visitors cards on the table here that you can fill out to let us know that you have visited with us, and we'd like to have that information. And we have the blue box back on the table here and one at the door as you come into the entrance. You can tithe there because we don't do the basket thing right now anymore. Um, for those online, go to www.bridge.com, go to give, and you can give there. So um, if anybody have anything like a testimony, anything, or, or praise and praise or prayer request, this is the time that we do that. So if you want to give a prayer request, First of all, I'd like to say it's an overwhelming joy to be back with everybody in my church family in the house of the Lord today. Um, it's been a long time coming. I thank the Lord for helping me to overcome my fear and giving me the courage to step out in faith and be here today. Um, I would also like to praise the Lord for my family, for my son Jennifer and my granddaughter and them being here today um, people that know our family know the trials and tribulations they've been through and they sit here today with their daughter only by the grace of God um, and for a lot of prayers that have come from this church body and I thank you for those um, I'd like to say one other thing um, some exciting news. Um, I've started an online Bible study. Um, it's on a Facebook page that I started called um, um, Our Journey to the Grace Place. Um, it begins tomorrow. Our first session is going to be about prayer. And um, you, can, you can look it up on Facebook or you can come to my page and everything's there. It's going to be really exciting. I hope I hope everybody will join it, join me there. And it's just it's an exciting time in our life. The Lord has blessed us in more ways than I can even tell you. I could sit here and talk all day long, but I won't. Somebody else needs to say something. Thank you all for your prayers and your love. And I just want to add one thing to that. Thank you for. I just want to say thank you to the bridge for continually praying for me and my family, even even through it all you know it's it's called grace and and i want to thank y'all for that grace thank you pastor for the love and and for everything that y'all shown me and my family um i want to say a special prayer ask for y'all to pray for matthew penniger that's my that's my cousin he passed away last night um due to difficulties on of, of his diabetes um, I'm not really sure what else is involved, but we're going to say it was his diabetes. Um, either way, he, I know he's in God's arms this morning. Um, but I just want to say a special prayer for his mother and his, his family. Thank you. Uh, anybody else have a praise report? Remember when I asked you to pray for my Aunt Bunny? She's home. And she's doing good, y'all. She is not at the nursing home anymore. And she is clearing up. She's so happy. And she said, thank y'all for the prayers. The power of prayer. You can't beat it. All right. Covering now. And we are, you know, we're, we're thankful. Yeah.
Yes, we all. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and glad to have Miss Jennifer with us, too. Man, oh, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else have anything that they want? Uh, all right, hold on. I just want to lift up my family, and I'm going to be in tears right now. There's so much spiritual warfare going on in my house, in my home, and I'm getting tired, people. I need you. My name is Rona. For you that, you that don't know me, Rona McNecker, my husband's back there. And we've been dealing with so much for so many years. And praise about your daughter. And Debbie, welcome back. I asked Kim your name. But I just, I know it's not only affecting me people. I know Satan doesn't want to celebrate the triumphant march of our Lord into Jerusalem. Please, and also on his cross. I'm just asking specifically to lift up my family so we can slay these dragons. I really need help. Amen. Thank you. Let's keep Miss Rona. <laughs> All right. I just want to ask for prayers. Um, my wife and I are actually in the process of buying a home, um, and I just ask that you please say a special prayer for us um, that we make the right decision, and that it'll be what God will have us to to be, and that we can build a home full of God. And uh, ma'am, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Amen. Yes, Lord. Uh, okay, pray for Miss Ashley, Miss Susan's daughter, and Dave. Uh, yeah, let's uh, continue to pray for the ones that, that are not here. Um, Terry Hewlin, um, Kenny and Ella Alavera, um, Joe Tyner, and uh, Carl. Um, lift them up. There's power in prayer. Um, prayer and supplication. God hears the prayers of his people. Amen. And uh, let's pray for Joel as he's not here and he's uh, doing his outreach. And uh, let's just pray that God works in and through him in a mighty way to touch them youth in this area. Um, pray for Bill Letterer as uh, he's traveled and he'll be away in Fort Hood for the next three weeks. But uh, let's continue to pray for Pastor and his family. Um, he's under constant attack as he leads his flock. And uh, God's entrusted in him, all of us. So uh, keep him lifted up. Okay. I'm going to ask for prayer for my family because uh, come this past Wednesday, my cousin passed. Uh, she's an older cousin in the family. so And her funeral is today. So just pray for my family that they be comfortable. Anybody else got anything? B, you want to do the Margaret Hughes. Okay. And then Margaret, we'll lift, keep. Margaret lifted up. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift all our troubles and worries and our cares up to you, Lord. We pray that you have your will and your way in and through us. 
we pray over the tithe. Make you make it flourish and, fur and further your kingdom. We pray these things in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
I'm almost um, disappointed in myself. I was just sitting there thinking about Christ our living hope. Guys, that's not just hope for over there when you get there. That's hope right here, right now. Yes, God is going to do something amazing in our future. But he is already doing amazing things in our lives today. There is sitting in our sound booth this morning, Miss Jennifer, who has not been able to be here in over a year now. Debbie and Thomas and their family. Why don't, why don't we just really put our hands together and give God some glory for answering prayers? Amen. We love you guys and we are so glad, so glad to have you home. I'm really excited about next Sunday. How about you? Looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The highlight of our year. We're asking our team of volunteers that's going to help set up Sunday morning. Remember, those of you who aren't aware already, our service will be outside um, this coming Sunday. Um, you will have the opportunity, the, the, the choice of sitting in your car or uh, bring a beach chair with you. Um, but we will be meeting outside, and, and then our service will conclude with communion. Um, and then we'll have a time of fellowship and um, have a meal. The meal will be served here in the sanctuary. You can eat in here or you can uh, eat outside, either one. Um, with that being said, I was asked to, um, um, to ask if... if some of you uh, ladies and gentlemen would be so kind as to bring some desserts. Uh, we, we have some already planning to, and I like sweet stuff. <laughs> well, let's just be real. I like food, okay? Uh, but we are certainly, certainly looking forward um, to next Sunday. Um, also, uh, before we get into our message this morning, uh, remember... This is the last week. Our sign-up sheets are on the Welcome Center uh, out by the door. Um, for our men's and our ladies' ministry, we would encourage you uh, to get signed up uh, for those. We want to know how many um, books to order before we begin our first study. Um, that, that book is going to be Radical, written by David Platt. Um, and, and so we would encourage you to, to get signed up for that so we know how many uh, will be in attendance. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, yes, sir. Now, you shouldn't have said that. Well, you didn't have to tell everybody, though. That, that, that just takes food right off of my plate, okay? No, uh, we, we will be having uh, biscuits here uh, for, for our setup team. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to setting up now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. Typically, on this Sunday, 
uh, we would uh, turn to one of the Gospels um, and look at Palm Sunday when Jesus rode in to Jerusalem uh, when he entered um, on his way to the cross I just really sense God leading us um, in another direction for this morning that maybe we be more prepared um, next Sunday morning when we do come together to celebrate the resurrection. We looked just this past week at God's sovereignty in salvation in the fact that one must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not a prayer that we pray. It's not a, um, a remakeover or remodeling of our lives. It's not because we come, become exceptionally good people. Um, all of that should follow the being born again ex experience that when God saves us, he changes us. But, but it is God, it is God that saves us, and it is God that changes us. Now, we are, we are called in Scripture to live lives of holiness and righteousness. Scripture says, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, while we understand and we, we, we recognize the reality that when God saved us, how many of you understand God did not save your flesh? You, you, you still have this thing that we call a carnal nature. And your carnal nature and your new spiritual birth, nature that you receive during the new birth are continually at war with one another. The Bible says the flesh lusts after the spirit and the spirit after the flesh. So there's a constant struggle going on in the life of every believer. Um, but, but, but I want to I just preface this morning by saying if you are truly a Christian, then you ought to have, you should have, you must have an indwelling desire to live your life in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Paul <clears throat> in, in Ephesians, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it to you. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says, I therefore, referring to himself, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And then in Colossians, the next book after uh, Philippians that we're reading from this morning, his prayer was that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto, the plea, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now it seems as though we have a difficult time getting our mind around this idea of how, how can I walk worthy when I know I am so unworthy. I'm undeserving of all that God gives me through His grace. Well, I want you to know this morning that if you're a Christian, you are worthy. Amen. 
And you're not worthy because of what you've become in and of yourself. You're worthy because God has declared you to be worthy. You're as worthy as you will ever be from a positional standpoint in Christ. Being in Christ is what makes you worthy, acceptable, pleasing to God. And yet at the same time, we are called not only to be worthy positionally, but Paul calls us to walk a worthy walk, to live a worthy life. Now, I want to suggest to you that God has never commanded us to do anything that we cannot do according to his grace and the power of his spirit that lives inside each one of us. Paul's dealing with that subject in our text this morning. If you'll begin reading with me in Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 13. Here, here, here is the struggle in Paul's mind. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul's saying, I have not arrived yet. I'm not what I one day will be. But this one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind. I'm, I'm not what I one day will be, but boy, I sure am glad I ain't what I used to be. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Here we go. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, mature, be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, here it is, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so if you has, have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind, this is really important, who mind earthly things. And here's the contrast. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brethren... Dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Father, we are so, so thankful for your great gift of salvation through your Son. We do celebrate today and every day the reality 
that you sent your son into this world to give his life on the cross, a sinless sacrifice in order to pay the penalty and the debt that we owe to you. We celebrate the fact that he undertook humiliation, became a man, was not only crucified but buried. And God, we are certainly glad to know that the story goes so much further beyond that. That three days after he was buried, he rose again. We celebrate a living Christ today who we know is seated at your right side who makes a way for us even to pray this prayer. And so God, we ask with confidence this morning that this time in your word would be so much more than just a Bible study. But Father, we pray that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, ignite your word in our hearts, increase our faith, and change our lives. Empower us to walk worthy. Christ's name I pray. Amen. amen. And amen. Paul b- begins this section, if you will, by giving an account of himself. He says, Brethren, I, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before or ahead of me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It would do some of us some good to identify with Paul's statement and just go ahead and declare of ourselves we've not arrived yet. Paul is well aware of the reality that he hasn't arrived to the full knowledge of Christ. He's still living in a body that is unglorified. But he will not settle to live his life in that state. He's continually pressing forward toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul uses throughout Scripture a lot of sports analogies, if you will. And in our text, he's literally contrasting his spiritual journey from the time that he got saved until the time that he went home to be with the Lord is that of a race. He considered his life to be a race with the finish line ahead of him. And so he says, I I press toward the mark. 
eagerly running for the prize, competing to win. And then he says to, to you and to me in our text, follow me. Paul's Paul saying, look at my life and follow in my footsteps. Walk as I walk. Now, now we know that as Christians, Jesus has called us to follow who? To follow him, to follow Christ. Think about what Paul is saying. You're able to follow me because I'm following Christ. And, and so we, we need to grapple with this, this, this truth and this idea that somebody is following you somewhere. Everybody has somebody that's watching them and walking as they walk. The, the question is, is, will those who are following you find the prize? Will they win the race? Paul's saying, if you follow me, we're headed for the finish line. And, and, and I want to live my life in such a way that not only do I believe that I'm going to not only finish, but I'm going to finish well. And, and, and maybe I can be an example to someone else that they might finish well. And, and that's Paul's desire in this text He's saying, follow me, and not only follow me, he says, mark those that walk so you have us for an example. So Paul says, look at people's lives and, and those that are, are following what we're teaching and not only what we're teaching, but how we're living. You, you see, your teaching should always be modeled by how you're living. Can we say it this way? It's one thing to talk the talk. But it's quite another to walk the walk. And people are more impressed by the way you walk than the words that you use. And, and that's a biblical concept. Jesus said, by this... Will all men know that you are my disciples, not because of what you say, but if you have love one for another. And, and, and so Paul's calling us to walk worthy. And then he, he points out that there is a contrast between the way Two groups of people walk. He says in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. This, this is a, a good example 
to follow. Boy, we got some young people need some role models. And if you're not going to be it at home, don't expect them to get it at school. Here's the contrast for many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Boy, this is really important. Who mind earthly things. So, Paul is contrasting that walk that is worthy from that walk that is worldly. He's, he's teaching us that there are two ways for even believers to walk while in this world. You can walk worthy or you can walk worldly. And so he's calling the church, he's calling believers, he's calling Christians to walk a worthy walk. Now when I read the descriptions of those who walk worldly... It encourages me to want to walk worthy. He says they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, be careful how you treat folks that don't agree with you. Paul said, I've, I've told you before, and now I'm telling you again, even weeping. Paul was shedding tears from his eyes because his heart was broken over the condition of those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. You see, we, we need to understand as believers and Christians that this world is antagonistic to the cross and to Christ. You need not... Live your life expecting this world to be a friend to you if you are a follower of Christ. Jesus said to his disciples that they persecute you because they persecuted me. They hate you because they hated me. Now, while the world hates the believer, the believer is not to hate the world. He's to hate the things of the world, the world system and, and the world structure. But he's certainly not to hate the people of the world that are created in the image of God. Even God demonstrated, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Paul says it, it, breaks, his, it breaks his heart to the point that he weeps and shed tears for those that are the enemies of the cross of Christ because their end is destruction. Well, that's a sobering statement, isn't it? You don't hear much about destruction in our pulpits in America or our Sunday school classes anymore, but the fact of the matter is is that there is a price to be paid for sin. 
that God will judge sin. There is a literal place called hell in the lake of fire where people will spend eternity who have not placed their faith in the finished work of cross. Those who walk worldly, who mind earthly things are destined for, according to Paul, destruction. And that broke Paul's heart. He, he, he did not get angry and argue and fight with those who were the enemies of Christ. He grieved over their lostness and their brokenness and where they were going to spend eternity at. Now, the problem that those who walk worldly have is they mind, according to Paul, earthly things. Their focus is not on eternity, but it's on the right here and the right now. They live for all they can get. Their focus is on earthly, worldly things, their home, their positions, their influence, their popularity, their wealth, their finances, their resources. They mind earthly things. So Paul calls us in our text to really examine the way that we walk and encourages us, compels us to walk in a way that's worthy. To walk like we're walking to win. And you see this, this race that he's calling us to run. It's not, it's not a hundred yard dash. It's a lifelong marathon. So he begins to Teach us how not to be worldly minded, not to be mindly of earthly things. He teaches us that a worthy walk is a matter of the mind. Notice verse number 15. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. Listen, God did not call you to check your brains at the door the day you became a Christian. He, he wants you to engage and utilize your mind, especially in making decisions on how you live your life and walking worthy to Him. So it's a matter of the mind. Paul gives us three or four things down toward the bottom of our text that we need to be mindful of if we're going to walk worthy. Because here's the reality, friends. There is a pull to this world. What I mean is it's hard to look up. When everything's going on that you see around you. And, and so Paul 
wants to change our focus. He, he wants to change our mindset. He wants us to be mindful of some certain realities he reveals in this text that we might walk worthy. First, you'll walk worthy if you're mindful of the reality that your earthly conduct is a reflection of your eternal citizenship. Let me, let me say that again because I don't think you got it. Your earthly conduct not should be but is a reflection of your eternal citizenship. Paul, how, how can we ensure that we walk a worthy walk? He says, remember this. Our conversation is in heaven. He didn't say your conversation will one day be in heaven over there when you get there on the other side of time when you step into eternity. Now, y'all that have been around me any amount of time, like the last five minutes, you know I'm no English major. I can slaughter the King James English. But, but one thing that I do remember about grammar is that that little two-letter word is packs a lot of punch. It's a present tense verb. It literally means right here, right now. You see, too many of us have the idea that we'll be citizens in heaven over there when we get there after we die. Paul says, no, no. What you need to understand is you're a citizen of heaven right here, right now. Our Conversation, he says, is in heaven. The, the word conversation in the Bible, that word never refers to your words or your language alone, at least. It, 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 it carries a lot more meaning than that. The, the, the word in the Greek literally carries the idea of commonwealth and citizenship. So Paul's saying, your commonwealth right now, your citizenship right now is in heaven. Now, to be a part of a commonwealth is to be a member of a community, whether that's an international community, a state community, a county or even supply North Carolina. We, we have a, a common wealth. We're, we're residents of a city. Paul says we're, we're residents, citizens of heaven. Now, if we're residents of heaven, that implies a residence. You got to live somewhere to belong somewhere. 
and, and Paul saying our citizenship, it is in heaven. Could I, could I just say this? If you believe that your commonwealth is in heaven right now, that ought to change your countenance. What I mean is Christians ought not be living their lives sitting around like this all the time. Worried sick about what's going on in this world. Driving ourselves crazy with all of the problems surrounding us. Paul says, listen, you're not even citizens of this world anymore. You're citizens of heaven. Those that are earthly minded, that's the ones that their minds are on this world and the things of this world. They're, they're concerned about what they have here and what they can get here and what they might lose here. Paul wants us to understand you ain't keeping any of it anyway. But what you have right now is so much better than anything that you could have here on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. It, it implies that I'm a resident of another city. And not only am I a resident, but I've got a residence. I, I got a place I live. Everywhere I go down here, I go through gated gates at communities. I go visit folks and, and I drive through a gate to get into their community. Now that might not seem like much to y'all, but I ain't never lived in a gated community. You know what they got on the other side of them gates? Asphalt. <laughs> Asphalt. I, we, we still got our little home place back home, and, and, and our driveway ain't made out of asphalt. It's made out of dirt. And when it rains for long periods of time like we've had this summer, if you're not careful, you'll lose your car in my driveway. <laughs> now, for the first time, I do live in a gated community, but it's a farm gate. <laughs> it, it ain't got no push button remote control. We got a, 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 a farm gate. And, 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 and listen, Paul wants us to understand that it's not about what we have here. It's about what we have there. Did you know that Jesus said to his disciples and he said to you and to me, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house. Are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now, some of you have this idea of Jesus up there wearing a carpenter's belt and using a level and hammers and nail guns and building your house. Let me tell you something. It's already completed. When he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he wasn't talking about building your home in heaven. He was talking about presenting himself, 
perfect and sinless before God at the mercy seat that we might come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His atoning work on the cross. But Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I, I, I like other translations of that better. Because if you really study the word mansions out in the original language, it doesn't mean what we think about when we think about mansions. When I think about mansions, I think about beach houses. Um, the word is literally rooms. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. You see... You own real estate in the royal realm. A room in the house of God. You think much of the gated communities here on earth. I want to tell you there's a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And there are 12 gates entering into that city in every one of them. Made of a great pearl. As you peer through those gates and down those city streets, you'll see that those city streets are paved with pure gold, so pure they're clear as crystal. But to me, what makes heaven heaven isn't the gates, it's not the golden streets. It's the one who sits on the throne. Paul says, if you want to walk worthy, be mindful that you are a citizen of another country, and that ought to change your countenance. You ought not walk around hanging your head all the time. Christians ought to be the most excited people on this planet. Not the most boring and dull. But, but could I say this as well? Not only should being mindful of your citizenship change your countenance. It ought to put a smile on your face for certain. But it'll change your conduct. Now, Paul's making the contrast and he says those that are, are mindful of earthly things... Their God is their belly. Now, when he says belly, he's not talking about their stomach like we think about the term belly. He's, he, he, we would use the word heart. Now, we know when we're talking about heart, we're not talking about the physical um, organ that pumps blood through our body. We're talking about that deepest, uh, most intimate place of a person that makes up the volition, the will, the emotions. And listen, they're say, Paul's saying those that are earthly that are, are uh, mindful of earthly things, their God is their heart, their, their emotions, their feelings, their desires, their passions. They have no sense of absolute objective truth. Truth to them is subjective because it's determined based on their heart, their belly, their emotions, and their feelings. We call that secular humanism. 
Have you noticed that we're living in a time where everybody does that which was right in their own eyes? In the book of Judges, you would find um, that there was a period of time in the history of Israel where there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but that's where we're living in America today. There seems to be no concept of a truth that's absolute and fixed and firm. That is, truth for Ian can be different than truth for me. It's based on how we feel. If it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. That, that's, that's those who live mindful of earthly things whose God is their belly. But if you're a citizen of heaven, how many of you know that heaven is the kingdom of God? And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, there's only room for one king. In a commonwealth, any, any citizenship, you, you, you have rules that are established and, and put in place. Laws that are passed for the common good of the people. If not, you have a lawless society. If, 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 if good and evil is determined on how I feel under secular humanism, then good and evil can be defined by people like Hitler and how they feel. And so Paul wants us to know, man, there is a world surrounding us that that's how they're walking. Like there is no absolute truth, no definite right and wrong. But that's not how Christians are supposed to walk. Paul says, if, if you follow me, you need to remember, we're citizens of an eternal city. And in that city, in that kingdom, there is a king and his truth is absolute. It's uncompromisable. It's the truth of God. And it should guide and govern how we walk, how we live our lives. Now, some of you are looking at me like I've got three heads right now. But because what you hear when I make statements about absolute truth and right and wrong and God expecting us to walk in a way that's worthy, you'd call that legalism. You need to understand the difference between legalistically living by rules and lovingly following the Lord Jesus Christ. Legalism is the belief that I can please God by the rules that I keep and the things that I do. And by the way, my Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's impossible to please God by the rules that you keep or the things that you do. But that does not stop the Christian from obeying God. When God gives a command, he expects, he requires Christians to keep it. Paul wants us to understand we're, we're citizens of an eternal city. And if we're mindful of that, it'll govern how we walk. It'll change how we live. Secondly, and, and, and we're going to move on. 
Paul says, be mindful of your conversation in heaven. But, but secondly, be mindful that the king is coming. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, follow me. This is what I'm doing. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not only citizens in heaven, but we're looking toward heaven. I, I, the word looking is, is really a strong verb. It means to look eagerly, to, to look expectantly. It even carries the idea of looking and keep on looking. The, the, the picture is Paul is, while not physically doing this all the time, this is what governs his life. He's living life, walking, looking toward that eastern sky, thinking this could be the day. This could be the day that the Lord comes back. You, you see, the, the early church, and, 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 and especially the apostle Paul, they believed in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. That is that Jesus can come back right now. And he may come back right now. And Paul said, if you live your life, it'll change how you walk if you expect Jesus to come back in the middle of your walk. If, if you're looking for the coming of the king, then certainly you want to be walking worthy when the king comes. And, and so Paul, he wants us looking toward heaven for Jesus to come back. Could, 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 could we be honest with ourselves this morning? I'm afraid that we as Christians spend more time looking down than we do looking up. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid if we're honest with ourselves, we spend more time looking around than we do looking up. How is your expectation of the Lord's return changing the way that you walk? Now, now, remember, Paul's not arrived yet, right? Neither of you and neither have I. So certainly, if I'm expecting Jesus to come back at any moment and I know that I've got room for change and development and growth, then, then it ought to be changing me and you on a daily basis. So Paul wants us to be looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and also in verse 21, be mindful of the transformation, the glorious transformation that's ahead of you. You see, when Jesus comes back, some things are going to change. He says, who shall change our vile body? Now, boy, that's old time preaching right there. That it may be, may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. 
Paul says, listen, when Jesus comes back, he's going to change up some stuff. He's going to change your vile body. The, 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 the term vile, vile, well, it means several different things. It, it, it means corrupt. Do, you, do, we, do we understand that even the Christian, as much as we want to honor God with all of our lives, we're still living in a vile body. Sometimes we get it right because we're following the unction and the leadership of the Spirit of God as He leads us with the Word of God. But, but it, listen, if, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we can, we can all confess this morning, we know what it is, even as Christians, to fall short of His glory. We, we know what it is to make mistakes. and well, Let's just call it what it is. To sin and come short of the glory of God. That's the reality of the Christian life. As much as we want to please God, we understand. If you've been a Christian any time at all, you've already figured out you can't do it perfectly on your own. And I don't know about you, but boy, it just breaks my heart. When I find myself making choices and decisions and maybe treating people today like I did when I was lost and I know better. And Paul understands that he hasn't arrived yet either. In fact, Paul would say of himself, the things that I ought to do I do not and the things that I ought not to do, uh, uh, that's the very thing that I wind up doing. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? Well, maybe I'm the only one that can identify with the Apostle Paul and what it is to come to that place to realize I blew it again. Paul says we need to know and we need to remember that there's coming a time when God's going to change us in such a way that we'll not blow it again. Never have to experience conviction. Never have to experience guilt. Never have to, that gnawing sense of failure and shortcoming in our lives. That when Jesus changes our vile body, he's going to glorify us. That it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. How many of you know that Jesus never said, I wish I wouldn't have? <laughs> ne- ne- never, never had the occasion to say, boy, I blew it that time. And there's coming a day in each of our lives as believers, if we are believers, followers of Christ who are striving to walk worthy, to cross the finish line and to finish it well when we get on the other side of it. Perfection. But, but it has also a, a physical manifestation in changing our vile bodies. It not only means corrupt, but it means to be mortal. I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that age, Billy, where my body don't work like it used to work. <laughs> I, I got places that hurt now. I didn't even used to recognize I had places. <laughs> and and in, in these vile bodies, these mortal bodies... There's pain. Not only physical pain, Billy, but there's emotional pain and heartache and heartbreak. 
there's, there's those experiences that some of you are going through right now and you're just kind of, man, I ain't believing. Here we are again. The, the, the word fashion means to transform. God will transform our physical realities, our physical bodies. And I really love this. He says, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. There's, I think the last time that I, I, I looked this up, there were over like 500 million, I think it was, self-help programs in this world. You, you go to any bookstore in America today and there'll be walls covered with becoming how to become a better you. Did you know that God's not interested in you being a better you? What he's interested in is you becoming like his son. And one day he will do that perfectly and completely. Now those of you who... who or, or with us much, you, you know, man, I, I really struggle with these things. I'm getting that age, you know, where, where what used to work don't work no more. They want me to go get them with the lines drawn across them or the, the progressive lenses or, or whatever that stuff is. And, man, it's just been really frustrating the last several years as my, my eyes have gotten worse. You see me always doing this. You know there's going to be a time I'm going to do this. There'll be no wheelchairs in heaven. Amen. No crutches, no hospitals, no doctor visits. Boy, won't that be amazing not have to sit in a doctor's office three hours after your appointment was. Paul's saying he's going to change us according to the working. The word working in the Greek is energy on. It is the same word we derive our English word energy from according to the power. Whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. There will be no rebels in heaven. Christ will bring everyone into subjection. Paul says, listen, if, if you know this, then, then here's the reality. I just lost my glasses. Paul, Paul says, if, if you know this, then, then here should be the result. Here, here should be... The emphasis of the worthy walk in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. Here it is. Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast. Now, now he, he's not writing... To lost people and telling them how to become Christian. He's writing to brethren to save people. And telling them how to live the Christian life. How to walk a worthy walk. And he says, you, man, you got you to gotta stand fast. You got to put your foot down. Be unmovable, unswaying. Why? Because this world is pulling so hard. And man, we see it maybe now like 
never before since I've been a Christian how, how the world is pulling at people in the church. Paul says, man, you, you got to put your feet down. you got to remember you're not of this world. Could, could, could I say this? If you are a believer, you are an eternal citizen of heaven. Ain't that good news? You have a home in heaven. But for now, you got to live here on earth. And that's the reality that Paul's dealing with. You're not of this world, Billy. But you do got to be in this world. And while you're in this world, you ought not act like you're of this world. That, that's, that's what Paul is dealing with in this text. So, so, so here's, here's where we finish this morning. Ne- next Sunday... Is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And and as always, on Resurrection Sunday, we, we, we celebrate through communion. And we're called in Scripture that when we come to that place of partaking of the Lord's Supper, that we examine ourselves. So, friend, could, could I ask you this morning just, just to be honest with yourself and honest with God? It doesn't matter what I or anybody else thinks. How's your walk? Are you walking worthy? Are you walking in a way that models your citizenship in heaven. I've already confessed to you, Miss Natalie, that there's, there's times that, man, I'm just crushed because as I examine myself or the Holy Spirit examines me, I see that my life does not line up with Scripture. And so as we stand to our feet, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, as vision begins to make their way to the platform. I, I, just, wanna, I just want you to give answer to that question this morning. How's your walk? Are you standing steadfast, walking worthy? How are you representing the country of your citizenship. Does your life reflect the government of your God? Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're joining with us online. And if you're honest with yourself, you'd have to say, no, sir. No, God. I I have room to improve, to change my walk. And I want to do that, and I want to do that today. I would invite you during this invitation to use this time, either where you are, find yourself a place in this altar, and 
And just pray that by God's grace, he would help you to walk worthy. Maybe you're here or or joining with us online. And truth be told, you're not walking worthy because you've never been saved. Your citizenship has never changed. You're you're still a citizen of this world. I, I would encourage you to make the choice today to surrender to the Lordship of Christ to accept the free pardon of your sin the gift of eternal life that he made possible on the cross to ask God to give you the life that Jesus rose again that you might possess To live inside of you and guide you and direct you. Father, we come to you in that name yet again that is above every name. And Lord, you know each of our lives as believers, as followers of Christ. You've placed a desire inside of each of our hearts. To live our lives in such a way that's pleasing to you. And yet also, you've written your word on our hearts. And sometimes, God, it shows us that we're not. And so I I pray, Lord, I pray for a spirit of repentance, restoration, reconciliation. I, I pray for those that have never been saved, that right now, today, be the day of salvation, that now be the acceptable time. That today citizenships be changed. We'll certainly give you the glory for it. I'll be standing at the front. and If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I would invite you to come down. Let me take the word of God and show you how to leave here knowing that you're going to heaven one of these days. How you can be certain that you are a citizen of heaven right here, right now. We begin to sing. Why don't you come? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He was crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his woes, by his woes, we are
loving the unlovable. Thank you for forgiving the unforgivable. For using the unusable. Lord, I pray that as we anticipate this, this most sacred day on our Christian calendar, that our hearts be filled with adoration, worship, and praise. That you receive the glory that you are so truly worthy of. God, teach us, teach us that it's not a one-day-a-year event, but to live our lives in the reality of resurrection. Lead us and guide us. Have your will and your way in our lives. Help us to honor you in all that we say and all that we do, especially, especially in the way that we love and treat one another. We ask you to use each and every one of us in a supernatural, special way that we might lead others to a saving faith in your Son.
Forgive us where we've sinned. We, we, we recognize and admit that we're not sinless. And we're continually in need of your grace. And by your grace, help us to walk worthy. In Jesus' name we pray.